Welcome to the Anxious Voyage. If you think that title sounds bleak or foreboding, one of two things must be true. You're very lucky or you need to get out more. On this program, we share stories of life and living. We compare notes. We discover commonalities. We accept that life is a glorious, heartbreaking thing, and we embrace and celebrate all of it. Take the ride with us. We're glad you're here. Now, here's your host, Mark O'Brien. Hello from wherever you are, and welcome to The Anxious Voyage. Uh, We are coming to you once again, and as always, from World Headquarters in beautiful Middletown, Connecticut, birthplace, as most of you know, of medicine ball hockey. Uh, We we might do a show on that at some point. Um, I'm I'm always happy to... um, welcome my guests. I am really, really happy today to introduce my guest and my friend, um, the unbelievably talented artist, Dao Labassiere. So Dao, thank you for being here and welcome. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm glad to be here. I'm curious about how it's going to go. Um, you know, we, we've, we've known each other for a while. Um, you are married to uh, Amy, of course, whom I've known for Oh, well, close to 25 years. Good thing I'm sitting down when I say that. Um, But nevertheless, you and I have never really had the opportunity to simply talk about what you do. And I'm going to get into some of the places where your work can be seen and your website uh, address and all that stuff a little bit later on. But I'm I'm curious to know when you may have first noticed your artistic inclinations. Were you really young? Absolutely. Um, I, I I attribute my desire to create to um, positive reinforcement by my mother back mm. as early as um kindergarten when i nursery school actually when i first began finger painting and she would be so encouraging and she would give me so much love that that's literally the reason i created was to get her her um, oh. positive responses and to this day when i'm creating artwork um i think there's part of that within me that I'm looking for the love of my mother, looking for the acceptance and love of my community and friends. Um, but it's also something that the creativity, um, it, it flows regardless if I'm actively thinking about that or not. Once I start, once I turn on the switch, I just enjoy the creative flow. And I, I, I would imagine to, to whatever extent sort of get lost in it. And I, and I ask that question specifically because I tell people that writing is the closest I'm ever going to get to meditation because I can just lose myself. Absolutely. So um, I don't know if you want me to talk about being in the moment of creativity for just a second. I, I find it very hard to motivate myself to get to that point. But sometimes when I just sit down and start to do it within 10 minutes, almost inevitably, uh, I will, I will find that, that motivation um, because I will be problem solving on the canvas or 
the illustration. And I, that's the way I think about art. It's, it's creative problem solving. And once I start looking for those answers for myself, I'm fully into it. And then I can, then I can open myself up to how I think of it as receiving the, um, creative inspiration from the universe because I find it very difficult to think that I, that all of those creative ideas actually come from within me because where does a new idea come from? You know, I mean, how can I have a new idea? Mm. I'm a product of all my experiences. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know, but, um, but once I, once I start creating and I'm in the flow, uh, I lose a sense of time, just like you talked about. And it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think we all have the ability to do that. I, I think you're right, too. I, I think we have to be um, open to it. I think I think we have to be receptive to it. Given what you said that, um, you know, sometimes you're not exactly sure what you're going to do or or how you're going to express something. And, and we were talking a little bit uh, before we went live about age and getting older. Do, do you find as you get older that you put less pressure on yourself to be creative? Oh, I think perhaps in the sense that, I don't know if we can use expletives, but I, I don't care about as much of what, what other people think of the work. So if I'm not giving two thoughts about what other people are thinking, um, it, it does allow a little bit more um, room for me to breathe creatively. Mm. It's not that I'm not affected by what other people are thinking because it's you know one of my foundational reasons for creating. But um, I, I do think I can create, not in a formula, but um, there are certain things that I do to, to start the creative process and um, not caring about what other people think is something I have to remind myself to do. But when I do it, uh, I think it helps with the flow. Well, I, I, I would say for whatever this is worth, your, your work is anything at all but formulaic. Um, the, the reason that I ask the question is, um, I find as I get older that I don't put as much pressure on myself so I don't disappoint myself. And what I mean is it makes me more patient. So if, if I want to do something and I'm not struck immediately by what that is, I, I don't get as anxious about that as I used to when I was younger. And I, and I also think that what you just said about as you get older, caring less about what people think, I, I took that to be a matter of degree anyway, because of what you said earlier about getting the approval of others. Um, honestly, I don't believe that ever goes away. <laughs> Great. You yeah. know, it, it's just so tempting to say, well, I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what she said. Well, yeah, you do. We all do. Yeah. And, and if there's, if there's any way to, bridge gaps like that i think most of us at least take a crack at doing that and see if see seeing if we can't find 
some some middle ground, some some place to meet, some way to communicate. Well, if you're talking about communicating through um, my creativity, my art, um, I don't always know how my finished product is going to turn out. Um, and I don't always know if people are going to, to enjoy it or like it. That's why I have to pull back from thinking about what they're going to um, think of the finished product. Because if I don't stay in myself and focus on my own creativity, on who I am, on what I love, you know, if I can get those down on the canvas or in the, into the drawing or into the sculpture um, without thinking about that noise, the piece will automatically take shape and it will be something that's more true to who I am as a person. And that itself may resonate with people rather than me trying to contrive something that fits what I think their expectations are. Um, you know, you, you said earlier that you, you're, we all are the product of everything that we've done and, and learned to date. Um, I don't know that that leaves room for inspiration. And I think what comes through when we're inspired are, are those elements of our, of ourselves. Henry Miller referred to it as the miracle of personality. And, and I, I don't, I don't know what you think about this, but I, I always think when I'm writing that if if the product of my writing somehow reflects my personality, then I've then I've done it right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's um what I was trying to say that um, when I'm creating, I have to make sure to keep refocusing on what I want to say from from within, on what I know. Like I I, I hear for writers, it's write what you know about for artists it's probably the same thing create from what i from what i know about from experience um in the end if i can translate some of my experiences um that have become part of my personality perhaps that have helped shape me as a, as a person if i can somehow translate truly what those um feelings or characteristics are into interpreting something that we see every day um, and somehow that image is shown in a new way, a new perspective from my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and if I do it authentically, hopefully the style that that develops is really me mm -hmm. because it's coming from me. Um, and that that will become a recognizable Tao. I have always struggled with finding my style um, because I've always enjoyed uh creating um in whatever medium um that's before me i always, i see every object practically every material as a potential medium for creativity and i love the challenge of figuring out okay how are we going to uh chainsaw uh, this into a sculpture <laughs> how, how am i going to use this concrete how am i going to use fiberglass how am i going to use this drawing material or this paper and there are so many types of paper there are so many types of wood there are so many types of um tape and glue and, and uh, um, hardware that can be used creatively. It can all be used creatively. So I get I get caught up in that until I 
sort of master, for lack of a better word, until I become adept at, at that process, it's, it has me. Once I feel like I've, mm. I've kind of know what I'm doing, then I, I think I start to wander and, and find some new material, um, which is not really right here uh, conducive to have being a successful, recognizable artist. If you're constantly working in different materials and going from being a novice to someone who's mostly capable at it, but I don't ever have a body of work that's enormous in one particular material. Wow. Um, I, I, you know, I know, I never thought about it this way before, but there is, it seems to me based on what you just said, there is um, a balance to be struck between wanting to satisfy your own creativity and perhaps I'm really, really hesitant about this. Perhaps being a little bit predictable because it seems <clears throat> to be recognized in some particular niche or medium. You, you, you have to be predictable about that. I think that's partly what I resist about once I've um, become competent at a medium. Uh, I don't ever want to think of myself as a master artist, really, because I'm always learning. I'm always learning mm. something. But once I become fairly competent at, at a particular material, I start to feel that the work is predictable and I don't want to be predictable. I, I would like to be, I would like to have a new perspective. That's part of the job that I see an artist's job is, is showing my perspective of life. So even all, all common objects, common experiences, but showing my perspective, um, whether it's, you know, two-dimensional or three-dimensional showing the world how I see certain experiences. And through that, if they, if they can stop long enough to take a look at my artwork because it resonates with them um, or resonates with them because it compels them to stop long enough to, to mm. enjoy it. Uh, most people, <laughs> I believe, spend two or three seconds on, on artwork. That's, that's basically uh. the appetite for art. But those, but those who are compelled to um, look deeper and start to understand the elements that they're looking at, whether it's representational imagery, whether it's the color, the values that create the mood, um, maybe there's some sort of messaging, um, metaphoric, um, allegory, which I enjoy all of those. Um, when people start to see that, and find the deeper meanings, that's when I think I've helped translate some of my perspective to them perhaps, and maybe they'll see the world in a little bit um, of the way I see it, which, and I'm in most of my artwork, I try to have the, the lasting feeling of the work be that, that they just saw a work of art that moved them. They were very, you know, um, they felt very connected to me as as perhaps a human being, but what they what they're connecting to is the fact that I'm just a human being, and I created this work of art, this large mural or whatever it may be, or sculpture, and may, perhaps they can somehow sense that the the um, the creativity that I invested into that, the hard work that I invested into that, is something that 
that I think most people are capable of. I, I'm literally trying to inspire others to be creative when I create my work. I want that to be one of the messages um, because I don't know really other than creating something that we're leaving for the universe. I mean, I don't have children, um, you know, so for, for me, what, what do what do I create that I can leave behind as a legacy or, or any type of um, influence on the world or even just my neighborhood or my friends? What am I going to leave behind? What's the lasting impression going to be of Dow? Is it going to be that guy was a jerk or that guy did something? <laughs> you know, um, he, he was selfish or he was selfless. I mean, of course, I, I, I aspire to, to do, you know, morally good things in the world, but ultimately I, I think that I need to be creative and that creativity, if I'm, if I'm just coming from that creativity, which is basically almost love to me, that I'm, that I'm caring enough about the work and caring enough about people's experience of it, that, that somehow they feel that somehow they feel the, the inspiration, the love, the caring, and perhaps they want to, um, do some of that themselves. Spread, spread the, spread the love. <laughs> Sounds trite, but I mean that's literally what a lot of my artwork is about. It's trying to connect people uh, through common experiences, and I'm trying to grab their attention creatively, but then give them a common message. Yeah, um, I, I actually, in in the next segment, I, I sort of want to go into that, um, what you're saying and and connecting some things you said earlier, problem solving and expression. And I, 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 I want to connect that to responsibility, but I wanted, I want to jump all yeah. the way back uh, to the very beginning <clears throat> when we were talking about, you know, when you first you noticed your artistic inclinations and um, you, you know, you did, you did it because your mother was loving and encouraging, which is just such an incredibly beautiful thing. Um, when did you know that you wanted to make your living as an artist and did you have any other competing interests or other things that you thought you should do or thought someone else expected you to do? I'm very, um, fortunate in the sense that both my parents, um, existed creatively to some degree in their life. They, my mother has always enjoyed ceramics um, and some watercolor painting and some acrylic painting. Uh, my father um, enjoyed sculpting a little bit in concrete and um, he was an actor. And I think he once said to me when I was a, about 10 years old, he said, um, he said, Dow, he's like, being a creative person allows you to cross all sorts of social class boundaries. He's like, mm. there are mm. people worth millions of dollars that own these enormous companies that will not be able to create the same way you can. You may be welcome to pass through the doors of those exclusive halls because you have something that they do not have, which is your creativity. So... He, he was able to do it as an actor, you know, be invited to, um, I don't know, high-end uh, uh, parties with wealthy or uh, political people. I 
I, I know that for myself, I sometimes experience that. Um, I was recently at the governor's um, uh, inaugural reception and ball and um, as an artist. And I don't really socialize with um, powerful political people, but it's nice to be acknowledged that I sort of, you know, I do exist and that what I, what I represent in my life is valid and um yeah but, but but being able to cross social boundaries was something that he wanted to impress upon me i didn't know what the heck it meant at 10 years old um only later in life what else did what did, else, Jeff? did 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 you and and this will be the last question then we'll before sure. our first break but when your dad shared that with you did 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 you recognize that as a gift no, not at the moment. I I recognized his intention mm. that he was giving me a very particular type of fatherly love. Mm. His 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 like his secret advice that he knew from the inside of being an actor. Um, but it didn't really register until I don't know. I'd be at social events that I felt very uncomfortable at. I didn't fit in, but someone would say, "Hey." I was an artist. Suddenly there was something to talk about. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't how much do you know about politics or money? So, um, yeah, I could, I could relate on an individual level to people. All right. And what, for what, whatever it's worth to you, I'm, I'm going to vote for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, what, if you develop an interest in politics. All right. This is a perfect spot to take our first break. Um, we will be back in about three minutes, so keep it where it is. Okay. Everybody has a story. Everyone's story deserves to be told. And the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. That's why Mark O'Brien created The Anxious Voyage. It's Mark's conviction that every story deserves to be shared, and his purpose is to give people in all walks of life, from any circumstances, a chance to tell their stories. The Anxious Voyage is now on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Please tune in, please join Mark, and please share your stories. Ever wonder what it's like to have your own radio show? Well, wonder no longer, because you can dip into the radio airwaves by being host for the day on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. It's a fabulous way to get your radio feet wet. It's an opportunity to market your business, modality, or book. Have a guest, mention a sponsor, and take callers. Or you may want to facilitate a lesson by going solo. It's up to you. Listeners can be online, mobile, in cars with Bluetooth, or listen through Amazon's Echo by asking Alexa, play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. For more details, go to DreamVision7Radio.com and click on Host for the Day. You can't establish your brand's authority without a voice. That's why since 2004, O'Brien Communications Group, OCG, has been helping companies establish their authority, find their brands, distinct voices, and position their brands effectively and persuasively. So effectively that nine of OCG's clients have been acquired by other companies. OCG's business model emphasizes efficiency and results, not hourly billing, markups, and media commissions. That ensures OCG 
Strategies advice is unbiased and its clients aren't at financial risk. If you're ready to find your voice and use it to tell your story, OCG is ready to help. You can find O'Brien Communications Group on the web at O'BrienCG.com. That's O-B-R-I-E-N-C-G.com. Or call 860-944-9022. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508 226 1723. That's 508 226 1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. This is DreamVision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back to the show. Um, now I, I kind of feel like I have a uh, fireworks display going off in my head at the moment because um, you've given me so many things to think about. So I'm, I'm I'm going to take a crack at connecting some dots here. Um sure. you you talked about um approaching your work as a matter of problem solving. Um and I'm and I, and I'm going to interpret that at two levels. One is solve the problem of how you're going to use whatever medium you're working in to express what you want to express. And and the other way I view it is that the 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 work expresses your take on a particular problem whether it's social or environmental um you know all all of your work it seems to me has um those bigger causes reflected in them is 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 that a is that a way to is that a fair way to think about your work sure I'm, I'm glad you can think of it that way because it means that you're understanding not only my work but what a lot of artists are trying to do which is um share their perspective of the world so for problem solving is you're right there are several different levels the first way i usually use that problem solve artist problem solving is um in the the physical sense of how do I get this medium to work effectively to create something, whether it's abstract or um, impressionistic or realistic, um, how do I how do I get that paint or that wood or that metal to do that? Um, mm. And we'll take paint for example. Uh, on a mural. I'm looking out the window at downtown Hartford right now, and I'm looking at one of my murals. And um, it's a, I'll describe it, it's a, a six-story tall painting um, of a um, painted turtle, a baby painted turtle in a freshwater pond with uh, freshwater 
pond lilies that it's it's swimming up from the bottom of the darkness and going towards the light. There are ripples of water, there are lots of bubbles, and it's a very calm, peaceful scene. So when I'm making something like that, the first brushstrokes that I put down, the second brushstroke has to enhance the first brushstroke. It has to make it better. And then the third has to do that its job for the first two. And the, the further I go into it, the more complicated it becomes. But all of the work, every everything that I'm laying into that work, whether it's line, color, um, light, dark, all of those things need to, for an effective work about my opinion, they need to solve the problem of helping each other work as a whole to create effective imagery. And um, so that's how, you know, technically I go about creating a painting um, or a mural. <clears throat> and the, um, where, where the artwork has meaning to me, the problem that I'm trying to solve with each piece is different. For the most part, I'll just say real quick, I learned to love art through my through my mother with finger painting, um, mm -hmm. and through my dad when uh, he would sit and read children's books to me um, as bedtime stories, and he would read Grimm's fairy tales, the Illustrated Bible, uh, Moist Sandek, Where the Wild Things Are, Dr. Seuss, poems of Robert Frost, and he would love it, and I, I felt very loved when he was doing that. So I combined. The, the, the validation of love for my mother through creating with that good time with my father of, of listening to children's stories. And that kind of narrative um, really has stuck with me. And so for a lot of my work, it very well could be like a giant children's book illustration. Um, and so the way I'm drawing and painting, I try to do it from the perspective of that that positive experience I felt, which I took to be through my formative years as a kid and through children's book illustration. So, you know, when you're creating a children's book illustration, you have to um, convey maybe much deeper, meaningful things in a, a way that's gentle, um, could be full mm -hmm. of joy <laughs> and, 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 and care. So you're, you know, you're caring about your audience as if they're as if they're children. And I treat adults as children because we all have inner children. We're all still children. We can be. We can put ourselves in the moment of joy, you know, once in a while if we're lucky and, <laughs> and you know, laugh and kick the water. Um, but so so what I'm trying to get at is that a lot of my, especially my illustrative and painting work, is sort of like a children's book, um, and. I, I fought that for a long time because I thought I needed to be a fine artist, but I think that really it's me doing the fine art of conveying image, uh, conveying image and thought and, and, and ideas through children's book, not style, but sort of an emotion, sort of an innocence that people can discover something within it. So that, that, that mural that I'm looking out the window with the giant baby painted turtle, it's a metaphor. Um, and But it's also for, for my city here, Hartford. Um, big little city. It's got its mm. own issues and, and, and struggles. Um, so that turtle represents me as, a, as an artist. 
It can also represent um, Hartford as it's as it's um, evolving. There are there's a family of turtles in the local park here. Um, but really, what that image comes from is when I was a kid, and my dad, as much as he loved me, he was a rageaholic, and um, he would fly off the handle when I wasn't producing enough work, working constantly. Um, we had a, a retreat center, a, a resort. And so there was always a lot to do when you have 60 guests coming that weekend. Anyway, so my dad would take his frustrations out on me. I was the oldest, I was the boy. And sometimes he'd smack me around or do other things that were really, you know, I just couldn't understand as a kid. Um, so I would go and dive into our pond. We had a beautiful 12 acre pond. And I would dive into the pond freshwater pond and hold my breath as long as I could. I'd sink to the bottom of the pond and I'd look up and I would just, what I was doing was hiding from my father. And in that process, the, the, the tension, the anxiety, the, the, the rage would dissipate into the water around me and it would be replaced by total serenity and peace. And that release, that relief uh, that came from mother nature um, I realized much later in life, it was my first spiritual experience to be feel that connected and to know that everything was going to be okay. And I was holding my breath for as long as I could being with the turtles underwater. And, and, um, and so that's what that turtle symbolizes. Cause I, I saw the turtles like that all the time, um, and the lily pads. And so that's for me, it's a, it's a spiritual painting. It's about, um, being in my own private space, we all have, we're all individuals. We come into this world alone. We leave alone. We are unto um, ourselves, I think. But so that hopefully connects with people that walk by where they, maybe they feel the isolation, but in a reassuring way, the colors that I use, the, the fade from the dark to light coming up from the darkness, a little bit scary at the bottom because it's dark, but not enough to make anybody get upset about it. Going towards the light is pretty obvious. Um, and the bubbles, bubbles are, are happy and sparkly like soda. <laughs> so, uh, it's just something I really enjoy to enjoy doing is in, including my own spirituality or my own philosophy about life, um, into my work and trying to get the audience to see the world and understand me through my perspective. And really, it's not just about me, even though a lot of it is. It's about seeing the perspective of others, period. I think we're all caught up in this whole self-righteous, my belief is what's you know going on here. Everything from you know religion to politics to just daily life. We're so caught up in thinking that our our perspective has to be the right way because we don't want to feel like a fool. We've made the wrong, you know, decisions. We're too afraid to apologize and retreat a little bit and connect at the middle with other people. This is a, literally a, a, a almost a childish way to remind ourselves that um, there are other perspectives and that we can see each other through different light. And um, perhaps if, if, if people can see spirituality through this perspective, which I don't know that a lot of people would, you know, they'll look at a, a crucifix or something very religious. And I, um, but this is not religious, it's spiritual. And hopefully if people can somehow get some sense of that, 
Um, maybe I've done my job as an artist to get them to stop for a moment and see the world from a different perspective. Uh, first of all, um, I didn't know until right this moment that our experiences with our fathers were so similar. Um, so all I can tell you is I know exactly what you mean. Um, I, I don't want to let this moment pass without letting our listeners know that one of your illustrations, The Last Supper on the African Safari, inspired my children's book, The One and Only Ben. Yes. Um, and what you just explained to me about your dad and about the the pond and your escape and how that translates into the turtle, that helps me understand the expression on the lion's face in your illustration huh. of the and it's called the last supper on the african safari i don't think it's on your website i wish it were and i also want to let everybody know that to understand and to see what you're referring to they should go to art of com, and that mural on that building what is it five stories tall or something um it's it's 65 feet okay it's it's uh amazing and and mind-bending and uh worth at least a trip to um dow's website um i i i this feels like a, a really good transition point for me i i, I do i do want to jump back to what we were talking about because very near the end of your last comments you use the word word childish and I would like to suggest that it's childlike. Oh, and and, and I would like to agree with you that we can. I don't know if I should say experience or re-experience all those childlike senses of joy and innocence and wonder and curiosity. We just we just have to choose to do it. And we also have to be, and maybe this is related to, you know, the notion that we don't care what people think about us, but we have to be willing to do that, e e even if other folks might think, well, you know, that's kind of weird, or that's kind of adolescent, or, you know, that's not terribly mature, or something like that. I, I think that even though I'm trying to do that with my visual art, um, I think the most common way that I can think of that people experience that as if they're w watching their grandchildren you know okay. and they see oh. their grandchildren or their their children innocent they're absolutely innocent and they're doing things that are exploratory and we find it silly we find it hilarious because we've already learned about the world and we've become a little bit jaded and not only we're laughing at the innocence of the child but we're laughing at ourselves at our, our own stupidity for becoming so rigid in our thinking that that couldn't be something that we do. I'm, I'm going to share a very brief story with you about that very notion when we come back. So let's do this um, second break and we'll come back and, and pick this up in the final segment and we'll see you in three minutes. Thank you.
Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today where we can grow together in unity consciousness experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age monday through friday at 8 a.m and 8 p.m eastern on dreamvision7radio.com you can't establish your brand's authority without a voice. That's why since 2004, O'Brien Communications Group, OCG, has been helping companies establish their authority, find their brands, distinct voices, and position their brands effectively and persuasively. So effectively that nine of OCG's clients have been acquired by other companies. OCG's business model emphasizes efficiency and results, not hourly billing, markups, and media commissions. That ensures OCG's advice is unbiased and its clients aren't at financial risk. If you're ready to find your voice and use it to tell your story, OCG is ready to help. You can find O'Brien Communications Group on the web at O'BrienCG.com. That's O-B-R-I-E-N-C-G.com. Or call 860-944-9022. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508 226 1723. That's 508 226 1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. Everybody has a story. Everyone's story deserves to be told. And the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. That's why Mark O'Brien created The Anxious Voyage. It's Mark's conviction that every story deserves to be shared, and his purpose is to give people in all walks of life from any circumstances a chance to tell their stories. The Anxious Voyage is now on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Please tune in, please join Mark, and please share your stories. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back. Good to be back. Um, so I... I threatened to tell you a quick story when we came back um a couple of years ago because you you mentioned grandchildren i i had occasion to go to north carolina to to babysit for two of my grandchildren and um we had taken my grandson evan to a birthday party with some of his buddies and maya his sister and i came back to the house and she was just wearing like a little jersey and some warm-up pants but she asked me to come up to her room 
I think she was six at the time. She turned the light on in her closet, went into the closet and closed the door. Came back out with this white dress that had red flowers on it. And as she came out of the closet, she walked toward her little nightstand and said, Alexa, play Disney music. And that Alexa started playing Disney songs and Maya sang and danced. And I just, I sat on her bed and absolutely melted. But I felt the same senses and um, um, emotion that I felt when you were describing your inclinations in, in trying to produce the work that you produce. And I wonder, I never would have equated these two things, but when, when you create, do you, do you recognize that, that you are using those childlike senses to fulfill a very adult responsibility to communicate things. Absolutely. I would never, ever have thought of that if it weren't for this converse, conversation. I, I love mean, that. this is where we all begin, I think, is in our formative years. And, the, and, and for me, that's how impactful children's book illustration was to me. Because I told stories, my, my, my father and I were interacting in a loving way um and and so because i have those formative experiences that helped shape who i am as a human being now as an adult i do believe that we can still learn um or that we may we may be um more secretly open to learning through a child's eyes or through a childlike understanding um, becomes very basic, you know. I mean, it's not too hard to to understand certain things when a kid does it, and it's obvious, and and, and it's humorous, mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, oh, right, stoves are hot, <laughs> but um, or or it's good to be kind, you know. So those two kids love each other. They look different, but they love each other, you know. So there, there's there are things that that I um do want to communicate through my artwork. There always is. I don't know if the, any art can exist in a vacuum. Um, and if it does, then it's not really art because it's not saying anything. So um, anyway, my point is that to answer your question, I take it as a great personal responsibility, especially with public art, um, that it has to be of service to my community, the community that sees it. And now the, my community is the world online which is crazy but ultimately i don't believe that seeing uh, my art on my website or on facebook it may, it may be nice but it's it does not have the impact of standing in front of a actual work of art and seeing the brush strokes that were created by another human being understanding oh that wasn't just a blue that's like that's like 30 different brush strokes of different colors to create that blue um so yeah, I hope I'm not getting sidetracked, but I do. I do think that <laughs> well, the re the responsibility of the artist is to communicate something effectively. It's, and I, th in my opinion, it's generally their own authentic selves, so that people can see and share their perspective, so that we can all 
get used to sharing each other's perspective, see the world through other people's eyes, and therefore hopefully get along a little bit better. But I don't know if that's idealistic or naive, but I really would like it if we didn't have so much conflict in the world. Well, yeah. Um, would 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 you? If it, two questions. Would would you if if it's idealistic and naive? Would you give that up for anything? No, no, I wouldn't either. And and I want to I want to I want to pick up on what you said about public art. You 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 know that Anne, my wife, is a is a painter, and yes. we were having a conversation yesterday about the the difference, if there is one, between commercial art and fine art. And you just use the term public art. Do we need those distinctions for anything? I mean, yeah. when what we do. Yeah. Okay, please en enlighten me because when 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 I look at that building with with that seascape you did and the turtle, I'm not thinking about distinctions at all. I'm yeah, I'm sure. thinking about what what I have the opportunity to per perceive thanks to you. Well, when you look at my mural with the turtle, you're not thinking you need to go buy Hartford Health Insurance. Oh, I see what you mean. You're not thinking about going out to get some, I don't know, sunglasses or whatever consumer product that most large images, that's their job. And that's the reason they exist is because there's money that had to be spent on to create that image. And that money comes from a source and it's got to, you know, support several different people from the suppliers of the paint to the insurance company that always overcharges the artist. Just let you know to do a mural, do a mural like that costs a lot of money with insurance, with the cost of a rental lift, with the cost of the paint, thousands and thousands in insurance, thousands for the lift just for a week, like a lot. So at the end of the day, the artist, the artist's um, compensation for their contribution to the world is only the leftover at the bottom after all of the other necessities are taken care of, which. Um, I may be saying in a voice of complaint, but it's, I want people to understand mm -hmm. that when you hear that there's a mural that's $10,000 or $20,000, more than likely that I may be only getting less than 10% of that, maybe 15 if I'm lucky. So um, it's it's not like I'm making hay. I mean, sure, there are artists that are, are the exception and they're idealized that they get hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, but I'm not that person yet. And I don't know that I would want to be, but Anyways, to get back to your point, um, the murals that I've always done traditionally have been commercial in the sense that there was, I was supporting Bears Barbecue and I got a chance to be expressive on the wall, but the artwork itself was intended and had a mission to support as a creativity, a creative branding branch of that business, which is something I've enjoyed doing. And I would, I will still continue to probably do that for long as it's paying well and i haven't been able to succeed on my own um and the difference is that with a work of art that comes from within and appears on the wall like i was very lucky with that that um turtle mural which is actually the title of it is um the oneness of being in mm. still waters and mm. it's about being, about being one with the still waters the last name still waters refers to the the family property that um, we used to own, but we lost during COVID. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a tribute. Anyway, <laughs> um, got off track there. 
because that's emotional to me. But you want to rephrase the question again? <laughs> uh, actually, n- no, because you've convinced me, and there's no off track on this program. Um, oh, you know, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Just to get back to the commercial versus, um, um, the, I I feel like the legitimate art in the world, like we were talking about before, comes completely is completely inspired by the inner uh, experiences of the artist and uh, is their voice, their expression of how they interpret the world around them. And it offers the viewer something to see that simply is a different perspective on the life experience that we're all sharing versus, you know, now I'm compelled to go buy something. That's, that's it. It's very simple. Um, and, and sometimes even when murals aren't clearly commercial, they are, they usually have an agenda a lot of public art programs want to promote a certain, you know, image of a city or an or organization, and there are parameters. There are usually definitions of where this mural has to fall in between. And, you know, creative artists will try to work within that, but they automatically have guardrails that they have to stay in between. At the end, there's a clear, it clearly fulfills the mission of their, um, uh, the commission uh, committee. And so... Those I find, you know, I'm very grateful for those that they exist, but I, I find them very difficult to work within the limits because um, something in, within me resists the fact that I'm not allowed to just create something that's more spiritual or more humorous or more funny or silly. And um, But I do it because I need to make a living and because I don't mind working with people who need a creative hand to express their ideas. Um, but not every committee that wants to have a work of art know, understands what that means. Um, and it's usually when there's, a, when there's an agenda um, of even the most wonderful in nature, like diversity and connection and peace, the images in that, the committees usually think they have to sell that idea directly. Like when you look at it, you have to understand that. Where I believe that you can have something that is that that addresses diversity and community and up, has an uplifting spirit through an image such as a flying saucer that smashed into the side of the building and and the reason it does that is because an image like that is so preposterous that it becomes humorous on mm-hmm. many levels and and you know the fact that this advanced race is stupid enough to smash into a building and that it happened here in Hartford and mm-hmm. that it's and, and that it's and that the city had enough um, belief in this work to put you know invest in it and make a work of art exist that they have no idea if it's going to work or not. That's when that when you when you can do that and when you can um, when your when your clients can have faith in you that you're going to com- create something that will work. That's that's where you're getting to a point of success as a, as a creative person. But until um, then, until then, we all have to do, you know, we all have to work. Okay. So picking up on work and knowing that we are out of time, I can't believe this already. Are you kidding me? Um, please, <laughs> uh, I, I know you have some shows coming up. Um, please tell yeah. us about those. Uh, and I've already mentioned your website, which is artofdowlabossier.com. But if there are other places where people can find you and your work, please share those too. Sure. Let's start with the shows. Okay, so um, my wife and I, we also, we volunteer our time to run Hartford Art Space Gallery here in Hartford. 
It's right diagonally across the street from the train and bus station, Union Station. It's on the first floor. It's 3,500 square feet, 15-foot ceilings, great uh, exhibit space. Um, I've been volunteering to run it for 27 years. Hmm. Uh, we don't receive any pay. We take no commission. Um, anyway, so the next show is called Unart. Not very creative in, in its name, but it really, it's, it's supposed to make you think about the fact that it's uncurated, it's uncensored, it's unjuried, it's unthemed. It allows both professional artists and people who have never created before to submit work to a show. And um, I think it's highly successful in the sense that, yes, the professional artists give the show uh, some validity and legitimacy as a being an art exhibit. But the people I love the most in that process are the ones who are showing for the very first time. And when they come in, they're scared to, to, just, to, to submit their work. They haven't wired it properly. You have to talk them through things, which is fine. But they come to the show and they stand back and, and they'll, I will get people to, to stand back, stay here and watch and watch people react to your artwork. And don't, don't take anything personal. Just listen to what they say. And it's important that they do that because if the people are actually reacting rather than just wandering by, that's the most important, even if they're like hating on it, it's okay mm -hmm. because it's eliciting some sort of response. And I try to get them to understand that. Um, anyway, um, real quick, one of my most, my favorite experiences like that was a woman who was showing for the very first time. She asked me, how much should I list this work for this painting? And she's like, I have $1,100. And all I could think was, whoa, I wish I could get $1,100 right now for, for one of my artworks in here. Um, I didn't think she was anywhere in the ballpark, but that was my own opinion. Turns out a woman bought the painting from her for $1,100. Wow. And when, when she came over, the artist came over, she started shaking and breathing heavy. And she had ran out of the, ran out of the room, went to the women's room, and but she, she vomited hmm. from anxiety. And she came back and she said, she told people what happened. She's like, I don't know if I'm going to make a living as an artist, but I'm going to be an artist for the rest of my life. That's why I do the community gallery volunteer work. Um, so that next show is Unart um, 6, number 6. It's going to be on February 10th. Okay. At uh, Hartford Art Space Gallery, okay. which is 555 Asylum Avenue in Hartford, diagonally across from Union Station, right by the on-ramp to 84 West. Okay. And one more time for everybody who's here, artofdowlabossier.com. Please do go look at our, uh, look at Dow's work and please touch base with them if you're so inclined. Dow, I am so grateful to you for your willingness to be here with me today. I'm so grateful for your friendship. Oh. And uh, I have a feeling we're going to need to do this again. Yeah, I, I still have a lot more to talk about. I can't even believe Good. it. <laughs> All right. Then, then you'll be back. And I will also say much. to our uh, listening and viewing audience, thank you for being here. Uh, yes, I will be back much. live at 1 p.m. next Monday. See you then. Take care. Thank you. Go make your art. Thank you for tuning into The Anxious Voyage, the program dedicated to sharing stories, helping people, and celebrating life. You can see and listen to The Anxious Voyage on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you have a story to tell or if you know someone who does, please email the host, Mark O'Brien, at mark at o'briencg.com. 
In the meantime, please remember, the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.